Ultra. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers one minute at a time. I couldn't think of a cool thing. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. <laughs> and joining us again this week is Niall McCowan from uh, Bat Minute. Hey. Hello. <laughs> the way I've been there where like you suddenly realize, oh, I don't have an intro. And <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know people who like write them out ahead mm. of time and I'm yeah. like, I don't have the the foresight to do this I'm just <laughs> no, flying at the seat of my pants what do i think is kind of a funny reference we to hit the rest record of and that's that's it that's we're going uh, <laughs> but uh today we're talking about minute 214 uh which starts with Gollum saying kill them both and ends with uh Gollum saying and then we find out what happens tomorrow and, and then we what what do we do Gollum? <laughs> what are we gonna do tonight Gollum? The same thing we do every night. Smeagol. Smeagol. Yeah. You got it. You oh, got man. there. Oh, that should have been the cartoon spinoff. They had some, like, this one one character show of just, like, Smeagol and Gollum. It's like, the this same thing the... we do every night, Smeagol. Try to kill a stupid fat hobbit. <laughs> oh. That would be something, though, if, like, the Amazon series fails and they've lost so much money, but they've still got the property. And they're like, someone comes to them and is like, what if we do, like, a one-man show that's just set entirely in that cave? And it's just Andy Circus doing this week after week. Talking to himself. <laughs> talking to himself about anything. <laughs> like, he must have been so bored under those mountains. <laughs> like, what, is he, what else was he talking about? <laughs> it's just Gollum avoiding goblins, occasionally assassinating goblins, <laughs> eating fish, it's losing the like... ring and losing his mind, and then finding <laughs> the ring and being okay. <laughs> It's like nowadays, though, it's like, oh, how could he survive without, like, oh, there's a new season of Daredevil on Netflix? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, um, what pool of knowledge do do Gollum and Smeagol share? Like, are they able to like talk to each other and do they like tell each other riddles? Do they know the answer before they have like said the riddle? Or mm. I guess maybe I like, don't know. He might entertain Good himself a lot by, like, making up songs and stuff. You do see him singing to himself. So I guess maybe mm-hmm. he's, like... Our only wish to catch up. <laughs> the thing is you but find that's out all that... he sings, always. That's the thing, though. You find out that's, like, that's one little line of, like, a like a 2,000-page opera that he's written or something. That's, like, <laughs> yeah, I've been working on it for, like, over 100 years. It's all etched down in the cave. It's like, I really need to get back to that make sure that nothing happens to it. So nobody could have written it in 50 years, but I have to etch it in stone onto the rock face because I don't have paper. <laughs> it's just a grand masterpiece. And he's just like, and eventually I'm going to pitch it to the Goblin King. And we're going to we're gonna do a production in Goblin Town. Yeah, they sing It'll songs be a big down in Goblin Town. Yeah. Let me think, though, like, as he's falling into the volcano, then he's just like, make sure that they premiere my life's work. I was like, they're like, oh, we better go this. Yeah. I was like, the actual end. There's another deleted ending scene of like 
uh, Mary and Pippin acting out the, the, the golems play and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's this really boring play set in the cave. That's like, this is a guy talking to a ring in his hand for like, oh, 20 years. It's crazy. It's like nine hours long. Oh, man. The thing is, though, they, 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 that'll, that'll happen, but then there'll be like the really pretentious Hobbit critic, critics will be like, it was a masterpiece. It got so <laughs> deeply into the psyche of this, <laughs> this diseased mind and stuff. And then people will be like, oh, it's just, I don't know. It was just like, it'd be like one of those uh, Andy Warhol things where it's just like, yeah, it's called Empire and it's just <laughs> it's just 12 hours of the Empire State Building. And this is just like, yep, yeah, it's <laughs> called Smeagol. <laughs> it's just 12 hours of me. <laughs> So, <laughs> I was talking about some of the motion blur in the camera as it's trying to follow Gollum, mm-hmm. and you see it here, like when he stumbles back from one tree to the other, and then scrabbles up the hill. I like it though; it's kind of disorienting. Yeah, it makes it kind of manic, but yeah. you can you can see where they've sped up and kind of slowed down the camera work a little to match it to the the dialogue, mm-hmm. because this scene used to be longer. Like, there's more recorded dialogue for this, and like they just decided decided not to use it, but they had written it to fit inside the tracking shot of the original pathway of Andy Circus in this the forest. Right. So then they have to trim it and extend it in places to make the dialogue still match what they have mm. and still end in the same place. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, so there's a lot of work there. That's the thing, though. You're, you're saying that this is one of the first things they filmed with him. So that's like, this actually predates the, the more famous scene of Smeagol and Gollum sort of debating where it's him looking in the the like the reflective pool and it's kind right. of back and forth. Like that's the one a lot of people kind of remember yeah. more. because And that's a way simpler shot. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing that this one is like, this is really, really well done though. And it's mostly well done because they don't have the uh, the sort of the convenience of being able to edit. So it's like you can't, just, you know, you could do Andy Serkis doing two different takes, just flip it back and forth. But this is like, no, he has to do the entire performance now. This, you know, two minutes or whatever of him switching back and forth in character seamlessly, entirely in view of the audience and stuff. And I think think this this is like one of his best scenes, really. Like he's really, really, uh, really bringing it home here. Mm -hmm. Um, I do what, it actually reminds me of uh, years ago, I saw an Irish uh, play called Stones in His Pockets. Which was a, a two man play uh, that you know had a cast of like must have been about twenty characters, but it was two guys playing them, and it was done so insanely well. Where it was like there'll be th- I think the whole thing was that they were so like Hollywood had come to like a small town in Ireland, and they were like these people were the extras in the movie, so they were just sort of like the locals like queuing up for like uh, you know at, at the the service bands and stuff to get their lunch. And they'd have this like having entire conversations with these two men on stage, but then they'd flip characters and they'd just do it seamlessly, like you you know they would sort of slip around each other's backs and come out the other side as a different person and things like that. That's and awesome. They actually did an entire uh, dance sequence where it was just the two of them, but you they did it so well that you could have swore there was like more people on stage because they were just doing this dance and changing into different people so seamlessly. And it was the kind of thing I was wondering, like, oh, I wonder if Andy Serkis, did he ever do any stage work or that, you know, that would have sold him in this kind of, that this is what this guy's capable of doing? Like, where what, what was his background that got him this part that they're like, this is the guy you want? Did he do any 
anything on stage, or was it the, what, what 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 was the thing that actually sold them on him? Well, I think because they they originally hired him just for voiceover. Um, oh, and and then they did some tests uh, with him, and he was acting like actually like getting in there and, and doing the the movements and stuff, and they're just like, oh. It was his audition tape, because they originally were just looking for someone to do voice work. They thought they were just yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. voice work. But even just Andy Serkis' original audition, he's like up on the desk reading the lines, doing just like, like body movements yeah. as yeah. Gollum. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, like the more he interacted with him when he first showed up, was just like, yeah, no, we totally got to use this guy. Like, the, the, he more of his performance has to make it into this movie. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. So no, that's what a lot of people really praise the, um, like Mark Hamill when he plays the Joker, because like oh, he, they go, he is he is essentially the best version of the Joker. But then mm-hmm. if you ever see him in the booth, it's like oh yeah, he he isn't just that, like doing the voice. Like he is he is the Joker in the booth. He's like throwing his arms back and he's really doing the facial movements and everything. He's really really getting into it. So. I think it must be like a, an essential part of the the voiceover thing. Or maybe it's a more recent thing. That's like this is the way you should be doing it. It shouldn't just be like laying back with in a chair with a script in your hand, going, "Yeah, Barney." So I says the woman. I says and that kind of <laughs> right. Yeah, and Mark Hamill has said he's going to be done doing the Joker so many times, and then he does it again. It's like, yeah, I know I'm not doing that anymore. And then they're just like, "Do you like money, Mark?" Yeah, I like money. You just show up to the studio in your PJs, and then, like, you pretend to be the Joker for six hours, and then you go home, like... Yeah, and you collect your your cool, like, $250,000 or whatever he gets paid to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Some large sum of money. I think he's a genuine love of doing the character, too. Mark Hamill, he's a great, like... That's one of the shocking things, that he disappeared from the public eye for so many years. Because when you see him in interviews... He's such a good interviewee. I was like, well, why is this guy on every talk, every talk show all the time? Because <laughs> he's always, he always wants to be there, and he always wants to tell the stories and stuff. He's just so enthusiastic about everything. So yeah, when him approaching the Joker was not a half-assed thing by any means. I don't think he approaches anything with like a half-assed kind of attitude. I think he just right. goes in. No, he's even like you can even tell he's having a ton of fun when he shows up in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, oh yeah. God. <laughs> Like, just randomly Mark Hamill. <laughs> Here we go. But yeah, vo- uh, voice work, I'm, I'm sure way more goes into it than most people really think about. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you're standing in a booth recording the lines, and when you're trying to be in character, doesn't it help to, like, do some physicality as the character? Yeah. yeah. I would think so. <laughs> I think actually... The- Unless you're just using your normal voice. Like, I imagine every ADR session with Sean Bean is just him standing there... <laughs> saying the lines winter is coming <laughs> because sean bean's voice never changes in anything he does <laughs> you hired sean bean you're just getting sean bean that's the actually though in talking about the physicality though i actually think there's a, a great moment of it in this is when uh you know the gums behind the tree here and he's talking and at one point he kind of goes yes yes and he kind of bites his finger and it's the way his face completely changes and goes into this very, it's a very, again, it's kind of very human sort of like, that is a thing that people do. Like, if they're very excited about something that you wouldn't, not that you wouldn't normally see in a movie, but it's just so kind of like, yeah, that's a, identifiable as a trait. And uh, again, it goes, you know, like, yes, yes. And then instantly back into the kill them both. And so that nice flip. Yes. Just like, oh, let's, let's no, go. no, too risky. <laughs> 
But, uh, but yeah, oh, this guy is like, it's just, uh, this is all fantastic as well. I do wonder as well, you're talking about like uh, Peter Jackson, you know, uh, th- was it just that he got to look at Andy Serkis's face as well? Because he does have those big googly eyes. And he does have a very characterful face. I can imagine that did him a lot of favors of like, and we just had this guy's face on the character. Um, <laughs> yeah, they kept pretty- going back to kind of remodel Gollum to make it look a little bit more like Andy and then a little bit more like Andy. To make the mocap a little easier, too. Mm. To line stuff, features up on the face to, like, mocap the face and animate it. I've always wondered if they're ever going to do... Because you'd be coming up on the 20th anniversary now. And the one thing is, like, if you're watching these films in sequential order nowadays, it's like, you can see, well, that Gollum in Fellowship of the Ring isn't the same one that you get in the two towers. They always right. rejig things a bit. The ever been the, temp- the temptation of, like, well, when Star Wars hit 20... They re-released and they, they quote unquote fixed things, <laughs> but I can imagine them. Would people begrudge them if they went back? Oh, we did Fellowship. We re-released Fellowship, and we fixed Gollum to be like he looks like he does in the rest of the movies. No, I, I don't think anyone would be mad about that. Like the thing they're mad about with Star Wars is just how much changed. <laughs> I don't know. Cause you will, but you could probably get people like, no, I like my my friggin' original Gollum that was that didn't look I like the fact that he didn't look like he did in the rest of the movie and stuff. He was he was a mystery. I don't I wouldn't mind an updated Gollum because even in the the Hobbit movie, um the technology had advanced so far that Gollum looks amazing in that I mean granted the lighting is very dark and Gollum always looks better in the dark. Like dark with blue. Yeah, like yeah, it looks yeah. real good. But I wouldn't mind an updated Gollum. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they could do it. I'm like sure it. there's money to be made in doing so. <laughs> That's one of the things, like, um, if you ever look up Lord of the Rings stuff on YouTube, like clips from the movies, I'm sure you I'm sure you guys have. Uh, <laughs> I remember going in and been weirded out, like, recently, and seeing in the comments section of people talking, like, oh, I remember this bit in the cinema, and, like, oh, everyone was cheering and stuff like that. And then seeing comments underneath where people are like, you're so lucky that you saw this in the cinema. And it's, I've been really weirded out and like, oh yeah, I guess there's like an entire generation now of like near adults who are like, yeah, the Lord of the Rings has just been a thing that's always omnipresent in their lives. And they just wouldn't have conceived, like, oh, imagine going to see this when it came out in the cinema. That would have been amazing. Whereas like to me, it's just like, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. <laughs> There's, there's a movie theater uh, around like around here, I say. It's like two hours away that does like a marathon of all three extended editions once a year oh. at the theater. Oh, man. It'd be fun to go to. Have you ever – have you guys ever attempted all all three in a day or is it just like, nah, you just don't want Not to do in a very yourself? long time. Uh, I used to do it every year on New Year's Eve. Oh, right. Oh, it's, it's a thing. We did it once in university. Like, and it was very soon after the movie, because the Return of the Kings 2003, I was in university 2005, so it was very, very uh, recent after they came out. And, like, it, things that didn't work, because we just ended up, like, talking throughout it and wandering about, <laughs> and just, like, getting all, kind of do, doing our daily routine, wandering back in. It's like, oh, what's happening now? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I could ever, again, even talking in the last the last minute about that Twin Peaks like oh yeah, it's supposed to be an 18 hour movie David Lynch intends for you to sit and watch it for 18 hours I'm like no one's gonna do that but like, I know people who sat through before Infinity War came out 
they had screenings of oh, like, oh yeah, yeah all those Marvel movies. I was like, why? You're not going to enjoy the new one when, when you see it. By the time it gets to Infinity War, you're going to be like, uh huh. <laughs> like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I've been awake for 24 hours. Oh my god. I'm <laughs> dying. <laughs> yeah. And then people like come out the next day. People are like, oh, so was the movie good? And it's like, I think so. I can't remember. It's all kind of blurred together now. I think. Yeah. It's I all think it was one hallucinating. long movie now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't remember. I think at the end, I can't remember what characters are left. I don't know what was that. I'm going to need to go and just watch it as a film by itself, like a normal person would. <laughs> uh. And you know, it's over three hours long. <laughs> yeah, I've only done I've only done the Lord of the Rings marathon once, and I was in high school at the time. Uh, and then I didn't watch these movies for like almost ten years. After that, so yeah. like, I did. It was I watched exhausting. Them. I watched them every year on New Year's from like Christmas two thousand four for seven eight years. Every year on New Year's, I did it. Wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> was, just uh, sitting by myself, just watching twelve hours of film. Man, <laughs> this is from, uh, reminds me of when um, my niece. Like she's eight now, but when she was a lot smaller, when she was, I think she was something like three or four. And uh, I remember one time I had to look after her because uh, The Hobbit just came out. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, her parents wanted to go see it. And I was like, I'll just leave her over with me. And uh, she, like, always, she was this unbelievably cute kid. And just really, really sharp and stuff as well. And uh, I remember her coming in and like um, they were kind of worried that she wouldn't want to stay like away from them for a while. But she just didn't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were trying to explain to her and she was just like... Um, they're just going like, oh, you wouldn't be interested, Kara. It's, it's it's too it's you know it's too long and it's very it'll be very boring for you. And she just kind of goes, and it's too scary. And she's like, I've made up my mind that the Hobbit the Hobbit films are too scary. And uh, <laughs> the thing is, later later on, like that around Christmas that year, they were showing Lord of the Rings on the TV. Again, she just really just learned how to talk. And I remember because uh, you know with the little kids, they kind of get run of the TV basically. So she would have on mm-hmm. kids programs all day, and then one. Uh, one day the fellowship was on, and her dad kind of like, no, you you should watch this though. This is really good. And eventually, kind of conceded to be like, okay, okay, we'll watch this fellowship of the ring. And she had no interest in it. She was just like, you know, four year old little girl didn't care a, a jot about any of this. Mm-hmm. And then, Who cares about Elijah Wood? <laughs> I got Barbie to watch. <laughs> but the thing is, then like the next night, obviously they showed the two towers, and I remember her walking into the living room and seeing it, and she just goes like, she just. Instantly came out with, oh, not the hobbits again, and like <laughs> stomped her feet. And then my, my brother was just like, all right, we'll turn over. And then he just, it's like, you thought you got away with it that one time. It's like, didn't even try with Return of the Kings. Like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, she's just not going to fly with, with the, the little miss of the house, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. That's adorable and hilarious. I don't know if she's actually because nowadays she's into she might be I don't know if she watched Titanic recently she liked that I don't know if Lord of the Rings has really come into her wheelhouse though I know she does she has no interest in Star Wars she not doesn't want to know about it for some reason huh so then yeah I'm not too sure that's like she, the perfect age though like eight years old yeah dude like that that is perfect to just watch the first Star Wars and just be like this is what fantasy stories are like mm, here you go in space yeah I think like she's eight. She's eight now, though, but she might as well be, like, 15. She's kind of got the sassy teenage attitude about her all of a sudden. <laughs> and she's, she is much more interested in, like, uh, 
you know, Candy Crush and things like this. And <laughs> I think, yeah, so I'm not too sure what she, she's all that fussed about films at all. Like, it just seems to be like, oh. yeah, she goes out and hangs out with her friends and stuff. She's just not really interested in them. Like, wow, what was I doing when I was eight years old? I don't know. I was sitting <laughs> in Watching room Disney drawing, movies. <laughs> isolating myself from the world and my bullies. Reading <laughs> books, I guess. Yeah. That's weird You're for not me. Not as cool as your niece. Yeah, that's like the, <laughs> I think both me, me and my brother weren't at school because we just don't know what to do. We're like, why does she want to watch these things? What's going on? And then like, yeah. yeah, she apparently she's like popular with people and stuff. She just goes out and hangs out. <laughs> what do eight year olds even talk about? <laughs> well, that's the thing though. I've, at this time, she's come in and I've said to her like, oh, you know, um, I'll be like making the dinner or something. I say they were like, oh, she'd be at like a little birthday party, and she's at birthday parties every week. She's a very, she's a very active socialite for some reason. Wow. And, and uh, I said like, oh, is there any scandal at the party? And she was like, oh, what do you mean by scandal? And I was like, oh, did anything, did anything interesting happen? And she'll be over and like, well, and she'll start telling you all about like the little <laughs> like interconnected friendships and stuff, and who was fighting with who, and also the business. Like, oh, there actually is stuff going on. I thought you were just like running around, like bouncing up and down and stuff. I was like, no, they actually have conversations and stuff. That's that's funny. I don't remember what I was doing eight years old I when know. I was hanging out with my friends. I barely remember what I did last week. Like <laughs> <laughs> talking about all the dirty word words that we've learned right? that like our parents don't know we know. One time I heard my dad say crap. Like, oh my god. <laughs> oh no, way worse than that. Oh. I you gotta remember. See, I was very I have a, sheltered. <laughs> I have a brother that is nine years older yeah, than me. See. So when I was eight, he was seventeen. <laughs> I do know the actually the one film she's taken an interest in is and the thing is I actually understand because it, it would have been when I was eight I probably would have been interested in it too. She was really fascinated by it, but she wasn't obviously wasn't allowed to watch it. But she had this uh-huh. real like because it was such a big thing, and she was always asking questions about it and stuff. And it was kind of weird because I remember like oh way back when I was that age like I wasn't allowed to watch like Freddy Krueger or anything. But so I just had this fascination with like oh and I remember we had like the novelizations of the Freddy movies. I'd read that, but I wasn't allowed to watch the movies and stuff. <laughs> so but the thing is she's in a different boat though because she's got like a little tablet, and like her parents aren't watching her twenty four seven. And you if you want you can just look up like the goriest deaths in it or something. Right. So she could well be just doing that. <laughs> like yeah, she's already seen all this stuff. <laughs> Nowadays, if you have a smartphone, even if it's got parental controls on it, like as a kid growing up in a tech savvy like world, you'll just find a way to watch what you're looking for. <laughs> it's not going to stop you. That's a that's a different world though. This is like again, it's like oh, it's one of these things like sounding like an old man. I was like, oh, I remember back in the day, you just have to. You know, if you wanted to see a movie you weren't allowed to watch, you just had to go into the video store and longingly stare at the, the cassette cover <laughs> yeah. and, like, look at the back and try to decipher what might have been happening just by what was happening on the back cover and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, like, hope that one of your friend's yeah, go parents... Yeah, a friend's house. One of your friend's parents has it and they don't care if their kid watches mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Or, like, you borrow it and watch it at home when your parents aren't around. <laughs> There's a thing, too, that you get that kind of... Um, you end up like mystifying things in your own head, and then when you actually see them, they're just like really underwhelming. So I remember there was uh, what did it call the movie? I think it was called um, Body Parts. And I remember the I remember Lovely. the video video cover of it was um, it was Jeff Fahey, and it was him. Uh, I couldn't tell what was going on in the movie, but he had like an amputated arm on the cover, and it was him sort of sitting, looking very solemn, and he had like st- all medical stuff wrapped around his face and stuff, and it looked terrifying 
And I was like, what's happened to him? What's going on? And then uh, kind of forgot about it. Years later, Body Parts pops up on Netflix. I'm like, oh, is that movie? And I watch it and I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he gets into a car accident and they have to amputate his arm. And that's the scene. <laughs> and you're like, oh. I just kind of wish just I didn't know that now. <laughs> huh. So, yeah, so sometimes it's good to just sort of leave things hidden in the shadows and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That is really funny. <laughs> I remember, also that's remember sort of too, ridiculous, actually. <laughs> I remember, too, like, looking up... Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was uh, terrified of an episode of Tintin. You, know, you remember Tintin? Was like, the ginger guy. It was, like, a little snowy. It was a little white dog. I remember that. But uh, there was an episode of something about, like, oh, the mystery of Raskar Kapak. I remember the character was called Raskar Kapak. And it was uh, an Incan mummy that was kind of, like... Like you see in like archaeological digs, he's kind of sat down, uh, his knees up by his chin, and he kind of his arms wrapped around himself, and he just had this big demented grin. And this was like a mummified skeleton. And I remember in the episode there was a scene where like, oh, there, you think that maybe the mummy's coming to life and stuff. And there was a cliffhanger ending, and that's, I remember like something came down the chimney, and everyone freaked out, and the lights went out, and they looked over, and the mummy was gone. And then I remember watching that when I was a kid in the dark. Like, very oh, early no. in the morning, sneak down the stairs to watch TV by myself and been, like, the most terrified I've ever been of anything. Years later, in the age of YouTube, like, I'll look up that to see how that stands up. It doesn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really like, oh, I was scared of this. Oh, man, this isn't even well animated. <laughs> this is, like, awful. <laughs> but I guess I just needed to be like, oh, maybe if I get up at, like, 5 a.m. and sneak down the stairs and just watch it by myself, maybe it'll be scary again then, but... Uh, I guarantee it won't be, unfortunately. But anyway, well, it's just like, are you afraid of the dark? That show yeah. that was on Nickelodeon, yeah. like when you're a kid, is like horrifying. Mm. But you watch it now, and the acting is just so terrible, you can't take any of it seriously. Mm. <laughs> Again, though, like what we were saying though about uh, in one of the other episodes about intros being way better than the actual show. I think the intro to Are You Afraid of the Dark still stands as like genuinely creepy. Like, it's a very, very atmospheric opening. So then when you follow it with, like, oh, here's young Alicia Cuthbert uh, <laughs> somehow etching her way into the acting world. And there's Jay Barshul running away from a guy wrapped in toilet paper. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think that opening was promising a lot more <laughs> than what you were ready to deliver. And, like, all these repeat characters. <laughs> the, the guy that owns the magic shop that's, like, the great Vinzini or something. And then the... <laughs> The the old man with the crazy beard that shows up in a bunch of episodes. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the Midnight Society. Like, they're just kids. They have to come up with some, <laughs> these ideas from somewhere. Like, hey, well, you know, I'm using the character from your story from last week. That's what happened, right? Gilbert Gottfried is in a couple episodes of that. <laughs> That's terrifying enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to think of, like, uh, because this this minute is very much just like, yeah, this is uh, sort of a you know showcase for Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. There's not much you can say beyond like he's he's great. Like he's doing Yeah, he's doing a great job. He's doing the Lord's work here. Apparently he kept getting notes during the the ADR that from Fran because Fran wasn't there when he was doing the ADR that was just like darker. As dark mm. as you can. Go darker. Darker. <laughs> darker. Pull back a little darker. Yeah. <laughs> just the like... thing is that they found out later though she was actually sending that to uh the, the people who were decorating our house. <laughs> and uh, this kid got intercepted. Like that was supposed to be the living room, and then 
And then the living the decorators, they just painted this hideous color because all the notes they got were like, you're doing great. And they're like, all right, well, cheers. Like the, the conversation between Gollum and Smeagol, I guess like one of the notes Andy Serkis says in the in the thing is just like Gollum talking to Smeagol. It's like, oh, no, no, it's like a, like someone trying to pick up a little kid. Like he's trying to really like sucker this kid into what he wants this kid to do. Oh, my God. Oh. And it's just like, that is terrible. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, you kind of, you have to go dark, then I guess that's the, the route to go. Like, almost the darkest thing I can think of. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, that kind of is what's going on. Like, Gollum yeah. is trying to trick this, like, ostensibly more innocent, like, or at least more childlike personality to just do what he wants him to do. Mm. We could let her do it. We could it. let her do it. <laughs> that's the thing, yes. actually, in talking about, like, seeing these things in the theaters so like at this point like i had read the books from school so like when he goes like oh you know perhaps you know she she we can let her do it so i instantly you're like oh yeah she lob but like in the schoolyard there were different because i think i read them like in early days in school and then went to a different school later on when lord of the rings the movies came out so not everyone was on the same curriculum so we like a, a bunch of us who have been in that class had a kind of advantage of like, oh yeah, we know how Lord of the Rings goes. And then so there was a lot of people where it was, again, to go into like the debate of spoilers, who had to wait that year, who again, maybe not have, nowadays didn't have just ready access to the internet because you're kids in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. There was a, you could go take the book out of the library. I guess that is a thing you could do, yeah. But uh, did you, you, do you guys ever recall ever been like a mystery of like, who is Gollum talking about? Or did you both always know, yeah, this is Shelob. Like, I, no... I wasn't allowed to watch the movies until I read the books. Um, so I remember watching this and I'm like, wait, there's, there's supposed to be a giant spider fight in this book. Why is it in the movie? <laughs> yeah, because I, uh, I read them. I read all three before the first movie came out. Uh, so I, I knew. Yeah. It's mm. like, where's Sam versus the big spider? Where's the big but the, spider? But in in the interim year, though, between Two Towers and Return of the King, did you guys have any discussions with people who didn't know? And did you have a kind of like, oh, 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 oh yeah, well, maybe I know a little more than you do about <laughs> what's coming in this. If so, I don't remember. But yeah, that was so, like, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, I was, I was in middle school. <laughs> For, See, like, I, when I, Fellowship I, came out, I was in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, again, this makes it seem like it wasn't all that many years ago, but it seems now the way I talk about it, as if this was like ancient history. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember, because um, I was like, oh, I knew this was Shelob, and I was excited. I wanted to see Shelob. And uh, I, I remember, again, didn't have ready access to the internet. And I think the trailer might have played in theaters, but like if you didn't go out and you just, you just happened to not get a film that was playing that trailer, you were screwed. So I first saw, quote unquote, the. Return of the King trailer through still images that Empire Magazine had put out. I'm like, this is the trailer for Return of the King. And I remember one of them being, um, I think it was Sam, Th- oh no, then Frodo kind of thrusting the light at Shelob, and you see, you kind of see her for the first time. And that is, I remember being in the trailer when I eventually saw it. And I've been in my first, like, oh, there she is. That's, that's Shelob. Oh my god, <laughs> this is big stuff. But, uh, it was just so odd to think like now, because like nowadays it's like, the trailer comes out, and you're like, uh-huh. And you just kind of grab your phone and just go sit in the toilet and look at it. And you're just like, <laughs> yep, there it is. But back then, it's like, oh, I had to get a magazine to publish pictures from a trailer. 
mm-hmm. like a month after it yeah. came out or something because but I didn't then, have like, any other way to see it. But nowadays, like two hours after the trailer drops, there's already like an there's analysis already, video. Well, there's already like 500 memes. Like. Yeah. <laughs> people grabbing images out of the trailer to throw up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always people so prepared to know everything about the film from a trailer. You'll just see like... Here's why Captain Marvel is going to be awful, judging by this trailer. It's like, the trailer's fine. How do you know you don't know anything about the movie? But you get some guy coming right. up and like, let me tell you why. Look <laughs> at this blockbuster videos reference. Too much nostalgia. It's like, here's this one shot in the trailer, you idiot. You know. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was the whole business, too. Like, that was the big debate. Like, Captain Marvel, she doesn't smile. Except for that one bit in the trailer where she's smiling. (laughs) Yeah, you're seeing 30 seconds of footage of her, and you're complaining about her not smiling, even though she does smile on it. You people are impossible. (laughs) (laughs) There's no pleasing those people. Like, because they're going to nitpick it regardless. So. Yeah. Mm. Like, and there's growing, there's growing grumbles of people just the superhero movie fatigue. That are just ready to tear so any new superhero them. movie apart. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Just just let Netflix people enjoy exists. Things. Just like go watch something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be fair with god. Netflix, I was just like, hey, we've got Iron Fist now. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> just like, uh, not anymore they don't. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. They cancelled it. And Luke Cage. No. Uh, this is there's still there's that tension now though, because because Daredevil this year was so good. It's like, if you cancel Daredevil, I'm going to go down and burn down those Netflix offices. <laughs> you idiots. If you take this show away from us, you've got I such a to, good thing in your hands here. <laughs> I need to catch up on Daredevil. Oh, that, that, that third season is amazing. Like, it's really... Because season two kind of went off the boil a little bit. But mm-hmm. this is like, oh, no, we've rectified everything. We're back on board. Oh, <laughs> it's nice. Like, yep. This is everything I hoped to see. And the, at the end of it, you're just like... So I gotta wait how long until <laughs> the next one? <sighs> and, uh, uh, anywho, I don't really know uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what else to say about this man. Yeah, I think we're. Andy Serkis is a gem. Yeah, Andy Serkis mm. is great. Uh, That's well, my deep cut analysis. Thanks. <laughs> it took us over 200 minutes to get there. Yeah. But we got there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm back to do a curveball. Hot take Andy Serkis sucks. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. <laughs> No, no, Andy Serkis is, a, is an international again. treasure. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, too, because he's, he's quite he's, he's like he's in late fifties now, isn't he? So it's like I think so. Yeah, for the physicality he's got for his age, it's like yeah, this guy. Because it seems as if like oh, he's going to be doing this for years more as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, fair play to him for a guy that age to be like I'm still this agile guy who people will hire to jump around on set and stuff because mm-hmm. it's, it's one I do. Yeah, I mean, like how much fun he had in. In Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> he was having a blast. Well, he didn't have to wear the weird ping pong ball suit, so. Yeah. And he's still, I like, actually... moving around like crazy in parts of that movie. Yeah. I guess he must have been, like, slightly underwhelmed when he got the Star Wars work, because he's like, oh, i got to be like a, a, a giant villain in Star Wars. Oh, I wonder what the, I'm going to have to do in that. And it's like, you get to sit in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's all we need you for, Andy. He's like, you know you could hire anybody to do this, like... You don't need me to, like, learn to be an ape or anything? Like, no, no, you just gotta sit and wave your hands a bit. Like, ah. You don't need to no, be you're kind of wasting your Andy Circus, guys. Like, it's... You don't need me to watch a bunch of nature documentaries and study how chimpanzees move? Right? 
No. It's like, guys, I, you know, I'm much, like, I could go and learn to become a snake for you. Like, I could literally <laughs> become a... I could do that. Do you want the bad guy to be a snake? No, it's a guy in a chair. But keep telling it's a guy in a chair. Pull a James Earl Jones and Conan and become a snake. It's like a giant holographic <laughs> head in the first movie. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so, we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. Check us out there. Check out our Facebook listener group, The Fellowship of the Mic. Uh, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't already. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw a five-star review at uh, the guys at Bat Minute, because they're doing some fun stuff. Oh, that'll be much appreciated. Um, and thanks for listening, and we will be back tomorrow for the last 48 seconds of the movie-ish, Woo! give or take a couple seconds. Less than a minute. There's less than a minute of, fi- of movie footage left. Mm-hmm. Like Lord of the Rings, almost a minute. Yes. Not, not that I'm counting down or anything. I, I am. Holy crap. I've been counting down since like 150. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye.